day 49, in answer to a couple of follow-up questions from yesterday. What is the time to scatter stones and a time to click them in about? There's a fair amount of disagreement about what this means. I tend to favour the interpretation that it refers to an apparently common practice in ancient times when people would throw stones on a neighbour's field to make their land harder to work. It doesn't sound an especially nice thing to do, but making life harder for other people is something some people find quite enjoyable. If your neighbours are going to do that to you, it's probably possible to ignore it for a while, but then you have to deal with it and clear them. I imagine a cycle of retaliation with the stones shifting from field to field. Messing with other people is not as smart as you think when you're dishing it out, or as deadly as it feels when you're on the receiving end. The other question was, don't you find these verses in Ecclesiastes quite depressing? Yes and no. Yes, in that I think one of the things the philosopher is exploring is the emptiness of life. He has experienced much of what the world yearns for and has found it meaningless. But no, because there is still a glimmer of hope through it all. The verses that follow on from the poem speak of work being given by God and of God making everything beautiful in its time. God is there and is at work, even if it is not always seen or understood. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Today I'm thankful for friends who ask questions. I'm also glad to work with a movement that seeks to help young people fathom what God has done. The philosopher in Ecclesiastes had a limited perspective, and we now know much more. This additional information has come through Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Right now, at camps across Canada, we are helping young people discover Jesus. We're not in the business of telling people what to believe, how to behave or what to think. We give them an opportunity to discover the truth for themselves as they explore the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life in beautiful surroundings and a caring community. Some will make new friends. Others will begin a relationship that will last a lifetime. This growing faith is at the heart of what InterVarsity is called to. Today I'm thankful for the unique part that camp plays in the lives of young people. I'm grateful for stories of folks enjoying being together again after so much isolation. I'm also thankful for beauty and the ache for a better future that is deep within our hearts and calls us home. The writer of Ecclesiastes reflects on all he has tried in life to find meaning, purpose and value. I said to myself, let's go for it, experiment with pleasure, have a good time. But there was nothing to it but smoke. What do I think of the fun-filled life? Insane, inane. My verdict on the pursuit of happiness? Who needs it? With the help of a bottle of wine, 
and all the wisdom I could muster, I tried my level best to penetrate the absurdity of life. I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals might do during the years we spend on this earth. Oh, I did great things. Built houses, planted vineyards, designed gardens and parks, and planted a variety of fruit trees in them, made pools of water to irrigate the groves of trees. I bought slaves, male and female, who had children, giving me even more slaves. Then I acquired large herds and flocks, larger than any before me in Jerusalem. I piled up silver and gold, loot from kings and kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song. And most exquisite of all pleasures, voluptuous maidens for my bed. Oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem far behind, left them behind in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse, held nothing back. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task, my reward to myself for a hard day's work. Then I took a good look at everything I'd done, looked at all the sweat and hard work. But when I looked, I saw nothing but smoke, smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it, nothing. He draws a rather depressing conclusion, that there is nothing that really delivers lasting contentment. The philosopher says that he tried projects, pursued pleasure, amassed possessions and achieved prominence. He found these things to be meaningless. He has got what many long for, but filling the void at the heart of his search has proved tantalisingly elusive. When we do attain our objectives, the view from the top is different, and we often find that what we crave does not sustain or satisfy in the way that we thought it would. Above all else, it is our mortality and the brevity of life which brings real perspective to our hopes, dreams and aspirations. Psalm 49 speaks of the need for wisdom in evaluating wealth and poverty in the context of life and death. It is addressed to all people, regardless of status or material wealth. There is wisdom which is applicable to everyone. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others.
The rich and the poor, the wise and the foolish, all perish. No one lives forever, and nothing lasts in perpetuity. Death is the great leveller. No one can rescue themselves from death or pay for another life. Those who trust in themselves will come to nothing and will lead and encourage others into the same abyss. This is hard. Most of our desires are focused on just having a little more. If we had a slightly bigger house, a few less worries, a little more money, a newer car, a promotion, we believe we would be happier than we are. The psalm says that people like sheep are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. Death guides and leads rich and poor to the same final destination. It is terrible when we hear that someone we love has a terminal diagnosis, but in reality we are all on a countdown and none of us knows how long we have. The riddle of the psalm draws two practical conclusions. One is not to be overawed or envious at the greater prosperity of others. They are in the same position as us and have nothing that will give them any advantage in death. This should lead us to compassion rather than jealousy and generosity more than indulgence. The other is that there is an alternative. Death is not the only shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd who can lead us to life and through the valley of the shadow of death. Having said that earlier that no one can pay their own ransom or redeem their life, the psalmist declares, God will redeem me from the realms of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. This ransom is costly. It cost a life. God had to pay the cost himself because we never would have had enough. Paul writes in his first letter to Timothy of Jesus giving his own life as a ransom for many. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. The most precious thing cannot be bought, worked for or inherited. Eternal life is a gift from the Lord. There is an alternative, and this has to affect our priorities, allegiances and desires. As John's first letter helpfully puts it, Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity.